0: Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored anonymously in honor of Aseret Teshuvah and in honor of myself, thank you so much for sharing uh, his time and, uh, and knowledge with us. It's not my knowledge, it's the knowledge of the Torah. I'm just trying to communicate it as best I can and, uh, and uh, as authentically as I can. Okay, so I just wanted to share a couple very powerful ideas um, about, uh, about the tefillah on, on, uh, on Yom Kippur and as well what happens on that day. So there's a very very special, beautiful uh, concept that we know that we say on Yom Kippur after we say the words Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Hashem Echad so we respond and we say Baruch Shem Kibod and then Machutol Leolam Ba'ed and we say that expression, we say it out loud all year long. We say it very quietly and on Yom Kippur we say it out loud. So the question is, why is it that we say it very quietly? So the Gemara in Pesachim says, uh, <in <offset> of <stir-ups> how can we say this? And the Gemara brings the name of Resh uh, Lakish, Reb- Nhav- Reb- <Johnetta> that the Pasuk says, called his students, called his, excuse me, his, his children, around his bed when he was about to pass away, and he wanted to tell them about what was going to be in the end of time. Yaakov, Stir- the all of a sudden he sees all these ideas and his nivua and his connection was cut off. It was as if someone had turned off the Wi-Fi. So Rabbi in that moment, when Yaakov Avinu suddenly couldn't connect anymore, he thought to himself, Uli, maybe one of my children, it went off the derech, he's not connected, he's left God behind. Because in his past, Yaakov knew, Abraham Avinu had a sadiq called Yitzhak, but he also had a rasha called Shmael. Y- Yitzhak Avinu had a Sadiq called Yaakov, but he also had a rasha called Isav. So Yaakov did not know. He thought maybe he was trying to communicate the secrets, the end of time, the, t- the coming of Mashiach to the children. Maybe the reason why he was blocked was because one of his children was not a Raoui, was a rasha. So at that moment, his children said to him, no, not a single one of us does not believe in, and does not serve your God. Shema Yisrael, listen, oh Yisrael, we know Yisrael is the second name, the alternate name of Yaakov Avinu. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem, our God, is one, there is no other. It's only Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Yaakov Avinu, upon hearing that, uh, Chazal teach us our rabbis explain that Yaakov responded and he said, "Baruch Shem Machuto, Leolam So Yaakov said it out loud. Okay, he said the tefillah out loud on the spot. Then the Gemara continues and it tells us that Moshe Rabenu, although Yaakov Avinu, uh, Yaakov Avinu said the uh, the uh, uh, this, this expression of Baruch Shem but we find. That uh, what's it called? Um, uh, that while Yaakov Avinu said it, Moshe Rabbeinu did not say it. It was uh, it was it was not said out loud by Moshe. So when Moshe said Shema Israel, he didn't follow it up with that pasuk. So Es Gemara, what should we do? On the one end, Yaakov teaches us to do it. Moshe teaches us not to do it. What should we do? So they made a compromise. What's the compromise? The compromise is after you say Shema. You say it quietly that way we will like moshe and we'll also like yaakov but the gemara continues to say something so interesting the gemara says Ama rabbi, abahu. rabbi abahu taught they made a takana to say baruch shem out loud in a certain place in a place called in a certain in certain places certain cities that means that the idea this minhag of saying it quietly It wasn't true about every place in the Jewish nation. Why? Because when people would say, Shema Yisrael Hashem, Elkira Hashem Echad, and then they would say something under their breath. Those people that were surrounding them, that weren't connected, that weren't religious, that were minim, they didn't believe in God. So when those Rishayim would see that you said an expression of belief in Hashem, and then you were muttering something under your breath, what what does it sound like you're doing? you're saying something else you're contradicting it in fact, by the way the Gemara tells us a person should not say Shema twice because there would be those that would think that the first Shema I was saying to one of my gods the second Shema I say to another one of my gods so therefore a person doesn't cover their eyes and say Shema two times okay, is that clear? so you see that there was a worry at the time in the at the winds of the time the winds of change had brought that there were people who were looking to find uh or looking to see examples that other people did not believe in God, and use that to strengthen their own opinions. Says Rabbi Abahu, in the city of Naharda, it was a city that everyone was religious. In that city, in Naharda, where there were no minim, nobody lived like that, everybody would say, Ad ashta amrina la, la uh, de, be Naharda, In a city like Naharda, where everyone was religious, then they were allowed to say it, bichashai. Now, I want you to understand this. What that means is, in places where there were people that were inappropriate, or that didn't have a strong amount of faith, they used to say Baruch Shem out loud to make sure that they didn't think that you were murmuring under your breath that you believed in another God. Now, now hear this. Let's look back now, when do we say Baruch Shem? Right at the beginning of Yom Kippur we say, in the name of Bedin Shel and Bedin Shel Mata, we are allowing, we're asking permission with people who come to shul once a year on yom kippur they're not connected they're not religious so in the face in front of those people we have to say like we just said uh baruch shem out loud because we have people in the synagogue that maybe aren't as connected now why do i tell this Uh, why am i sharing this idea with you because i think that there's a very important concept over here in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A person sometimes is aware of their own obligations with regards to serving God, but they're not aware that in certain scenarios, their obligations change, based not only on themselves, but on other people. So I'll give you an example. There's a halakha called Marit Ain. Marit Ain means that we're worried if this guy sees me do something, even though I'm, what I'm doing is 100% kosher, but if this person sees me doing something and it seems like it's not kosher, that's asur. Why? Because the person will learn from my actions. What's an example of this? Let's say a person is eating, uh, the Gemara brings an example, a person is eating meat in almond milk. Almond milk, you grind up almonds, it looks like it's regular milk. What's the guy going to think? You're cooking meat or eating meat and milk together. What does the halakha teach us? You're allowed to eat it if you leave pieces of the almond in the milk, because then when the person looks at it, they can see immediately that the milk that you're eating with this meat is not actually actually milk. Today, our rabbis communicated to us that the proliferation of such things, I mean, there's not a single coffee shop that doesn't have non-dairy milk. This idea of having a A burger and a slice of parved cheese on it, which once upon a time would have been Asur Gamur, without sprinkling pieces of whichever, uh, you know, soybean or whatever it came from. Today, that there's such an extent of it, a person doesn't think uh, that a religious Jewish person is breaking the law, so to speak, but they think, but I just want to go show you how far we go. In this idea that we have to be so careful in the way that people look at us, that it would change the way we respond to this Baruch Shem. We change to go out loud in order that other people shouldn't think that way of us. This idea is an obligation on each and every Jew. Like we say, "V'item you should be clean in the eyes of God ve'Adam, and in the God in the eyes of man. So certain halachot. Are true about marit ain, and it's just important to know once a halakha is established on marit ayin then you're not allowed to do it even if you're in private that's the halakha why because we want you to be in the habit of doing the right thing so that when you're in a public place uh, that's going to be the case so rabotai i just want to wrap this up with one interesting observation and with that we'll end okay so here we we'll look we're learning so much about the way a Jew has to behave and the way a Jew ha- has, to, has to live. And it seems, on a certain level, it seems overwhelming. Like, not only do I need to satisfy God's expectations of me, but I need to be worried about my next door neighbor's expectations. You know, sometimes you have people, they're really, you know, they're not so uh, religious. They don't really have a tolerance for anything religious. You have to be very careful. I remember my next door neighbor in, in our in uh, in Manhattan. So we have a little a little backyard over there, you know, very small. And but it has there's a fence there. Okay, if if my kid leans the kid's bike on the fence, the lady comes from next door to say, "Take your bike off of the fence." You understand? Well, it's a weak fence. I don't want it to fall. I'm like, it's not falling. It's a one pound bike. Nothing's going to happen to the fence. But I'm not going to argue with her. Why? I'm a rabbi, I'm clearly a religious Jewish person, all I need is that she should say to her friends, to other people, look at this guy, he doesn't respect my property, doesn't respect my fence, I don't know what she's going to say. So I still remember um, when I was building my sukkah, so I was putting up the walls, she came to tell me, not that my sukkah was leaning on the fence, but make sure that it doesn't lean on the fence. (laughs) Anyway, so when we put up the sukkah last year, I said, I want you to make sure when you put up the sukkah, not only is the sukkah not on the fence, but you know how sometimes you have like a pole on the side or something? I said, make sure that it doesn't even look like it's leaning because bar minnan, you go into a sukkah and the whole seven days that you're sitting there thinking you're doing the biggest mitzvah, singing kiddush, uh, you know, all the beautiful things, the songs of the holiday, and you have an old woman next door who doesn't understand any of it, cursing you out, thinking, look how their religion is coming at my expense. So we have, to have that ex- we have to have that element there. But if that's the case, how can we ever get away with it? Rabotai, just I wanna give you an example. Yesterday, there's a lot of articles in the news about how in Deal, New Jersey, the millionaire row, everybody, they're making parties with wild abandon, and there's people dancing, and this is why everybody is sick. Just let's be clear for one second, okay? There are 12,000 cases. Okay, you know how many came at a deal? I think it was between 66 and 91. Okay, that there were confirmed cases at the time that the person wrote the article. So 91 out of 12,000, making it sound. Now, they, they made sure to report on this person's engagement and there was this illegal, you know, sh- magic show that happened over there. They didn't make mention in the article of a house party indoors in Jackson that had over six, between six and seven hundred young people drunk in a house. That they didn't mention. They only want to talk about the Jewish one that has a tent outside. Do you understand? Tent outside, outdoor seating, you know, at least they're trying to follow the rules. By the way, the regulation in New Jersey was 500 people outdoors in a tent. That's the halakha, so to speak. You don't have to be more machmir than the laws that the government is giving out. But they don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about this. Now, are we responsible for the fact that other people always want to look, what are the Jews doing? What are the Jews doing? What are the Jews doing? I love the fact that de Blasio was going, losing his mind over the fact that there was people getting together, lost his mind. People getting together at the funeral of their rabbi. Yeah, you guys remember that? Big problem with the Jewish community. Math, not even one word about tens of thousands of people protesting in the street. Not one word. And when someone asked them the question, how could you compare, how could you co-? So are we responsible for the fact that everyone's looking at, looking at us with a magnifying glass, marit ayin, we have to worry about that? The answer is yes. And what are you all thinking? What am I thinking? It's not fair. Wake up and smell the coffee. Life is not fair. You want to be the chosen nation? You want to be the people who fly God's flag? yes yes people are going to treat you differently we always talk about this it's a double standard it should like they say in england it should bloody well be a double standard we should be held to another standard the torah holds us to another standard god holds us to another standard so yes when it happens in the news that it's annoying it's annoying but that's the way it has to be rabbi When we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on uh, on Yom HaKippurim, one of the things we have to say sorry for is for getting it wrong with regards to Him. But another thing we have to say sorry for is getting it wrong when it comes to the others that live around us. Because ultimately, it is our job (laughs) to fix the world in a kingdom of God, to be a light unto the nations. And if that is the case, we're cutting out our own legs when we give them the ammunition to make them feel like we're not doing the right thing, like we're not holding up the flag, like, we're not, like being a godly nation is, uh, is where you think you're better than everybody else and you don't have to follow any of the rules. That's not how we feel. That's not how we are. We just have to make sure to be able to communicate that as best we can. To always go out of our way to be mekadesh shem shamaim. And through that, we will have had a part in the prayer that we say in, uh, in Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, in the Yamim Noahim, Timloch, Atashem, Hashem, Hashem, you will rule uh, alone in this entire world. There won't be any other gods because people will be able to see that the only system that works is a system of Yir'at Shamaim, of fear of heaven, living a moral life with the values that the Torah communicates, not just to us, but through us, to the entire world. The more we hold that up, the more we will succeed at that job and be able, Ve'ezat Hashem, to bring the world to its correct place with the coming of Mashiach. v'yamenu. Amen. Rabbi